Yeah, when I grow up, you know what I want to be? Take a seat, let me tell you my ridiculous dreams. I want to rap, yeah, I know it's hard to believe. And I can tell you already thinking I will never succeed, but I'm okay with it. I admit the lyrics are weak. I've been working on them, I'll be good eventually. I understand you got to crawl before you get to your feet, but I've been running for a while, they ain't ready for me. Hello and welcome to season two of the Let's Talk Wrestling podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kelby Bachman, and the song you just heard is When I Grow Up by NF. And it is also the walkout song for the next guest on the show, Clay Carlson. If you're looking for someone to root for this week as Nationals gets underway, look no further than this guy, Clay Carlson. Clay wrestles 141 pounds for South Dakota State and is the 11th seed going into Nationals. He was an All-American in 2021, finishing 8th. Clay is currently a grad student and also has the unique ability to yodel a tune or two. One of his coaches calls him a special kid, and there's no doubt you'll agree after listening to him. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy Clay Carlson. So Intermat has you as a junior, but on you know on the South Dakota State website, you're a senior. So like you have that COVID year, I assume. Yeah. So I technically have another year of eligibility after this one if I want to take it. And so, um, I mean, that's kind of the plan right now is to wrestle a, a, another year just because. I had the opportunity. Why wouldn't I take it? I guess. Mm-hmm. So if yeah. I'm still loving what I'm doing. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, it seems like an easy decision, but I mean, um, have you given it much thought right now? Or is that something that you're just kind of probably wait until the end of the year? Or? Uh, it's in my mind, it's pretty much a done deal. Um, I'm yep. in graduate school now. Oh, and right. so this is my first year of graduate school. Next year will be my last year of graduate school. And so it's like, why wouldn't I just wrestle while I'm going to school still? Yeah. Because I have six total years of schooling. Now I get six total years of wrestling. It just works out perfectly for that. Yeah. And so um, hopefully I finish my last wrestling season and my last semester of schooling at the same time and I can just mm-hmm. be done. So, right. so yeah. what are you going for? What's your graduate or your, your graduate student? What are you going for? So my bachelor's degree is in animal science. And then my master's degree is going to be also animal science, but my specialization is in meat science. And so like my thesis project, I'm basically studying how proteins break down right after slaughter in beef carcasses. And then I'm trying to see if there's a correlation between how quickly those proteins break down and the size of the animal at slaughter. And seeing if like, if we have heavier carcasses, does that make more tender meat or does lighter carcasses make more tender meat? And so I think it's interesting that I'm <laughs> yeah. nerd, so I <laughs> No, well, as I as I messaged you, you know, my aunt, my my wife is an animal science major, you know. And so um I guess ultimately one of the reasons I told Coach Caldwell I wanted to chat with you was also about your wrestling, but also, you know, just throw it out there that like, you know, I'm sure you have your own network, but if you need another resource, I'm sure my wife would be happy to talk to you about you know, what she does. And she's a, she's a sales rep for, um, Covetris right now. And so she'll sure. go around and she'll just sell anything that's in the vet clinic to vets. And mm-hmm. so, you know, she has some clinics in South Dakota. So, you know, just another resource out there for you that if you ever need it, you know, I'm sure, like I said, cause she didn't know what the heck she was going to do when she graduated. She was like, right. You know? And so maybe you have a better path than, than she had, but, uh, yeah, that's interesting though. The meat, what have you looked into it at all? Like, what'd you find out about? Uh, so, down? I have looked at one muscle because I have four muscles to look at. I've looked at one and I've looked at one protein. 
okay. in that muscle. So I'm going to do four different muscles and three different proteins. So I've barely started. Um, but uh, I found that there is a difference in that the heavier carcasses actually show earlier signs of that protein breakdown. Um, and we think that's because, I mean, a heavier carcass obviously has more muscle and there's an enzyme that breaks down the protein and there's an inhibitor for that enzyme that breaks down the protein. And in the bigger animals, they have less of that inhibitor and that's how they grew faster and that's how they got bigger. And so it makes sense that with less of that inhibitor, that protein would break down faster out, uh, when the, when you slaughter the animal. So, mm -hmm. so when you slaughter, so bigger animals, basically if I, if I'm gathering this correctly, the bigger animal, um, when it gets slaughtered, the protein becomes like, so then now me as the consumer, if I'm eating the bigger animals meat, I'm getting less protein than if it was a smaller animal that was slaughtered. No. So basically this protein breakdown, what's happening is it's going from one whole protein to like small fractions of the same protein. Okay. And so it's not necessarily like leaving or like altering the, um, nutritional value of the meat. Okay. What it's doing is it's forming tenderness. So these proteins, okay. if they never break down, the meat's going to be super tough. So when you think of like a roast, mm -hmm. those proteins haven't broken down near as much as what you see in a steak. So I can actually okay. see when I look at the different muscles that I'm looking at the difference between the muscles and how much these proteins have broken down at the same time points from the same animal. And so it's kind of like, uh, you know, I'm basically looking at how we can make the most tender meat to sell the consumers. Okay. So this past weekend I had a, I had a prime rib roast. And so yeah. that would be, since that was extremely tender, I assume that that was breaking down quicker. That protein was breaking down a lot quicker. Right. Okay. Yeah. So the muscle in the rib is more so used for like support and not for movement. Mm -hmm. And so those muscles just are always, they tend to be more tender just because they don't have to be used as much. And the ones that get used, they have more connective tissue and they get less fat deposits in them. And so, yeah, I, I'm looking at a muscle from the chuck, which is like the front half of the animal, the rib, which is where you'll see like the prime rib. Um, mm -hmm. And then I'm also looking at the loin, which would be like your tenderloin or your, uh, mm -hmm. like your porterhouse steak. Mm -hmm. And then I'm also looking at a muscle in the round, which is like uh, what you use for a roast. So. Wow. What made you get it? What, like, what made you want to look into that? So uh, to get my animal science bachelor's degree, I had to take a class called intro to animal science and or I'm sorry, intro to meat science. Okay. And I really enjoyed the class and, um, I needed to TA a class in order to graduate. And really? so I asked the professor if I could be a teacher's assistant for him. And he said, yes. And so I worked for him for a semester and we got along really well. He really liked my work ethic basically. Mm -hmm. And so he asked me to TA again. And then he, I, I had always planned on going to vet school. Um, but we kind of ran into some problems here the vet program didn't really want to work with me in terms of trying to wrestle at the same time as go to vet school. Uh, and so my professor kept like sneaking in, like, well, you'd make a great grad student. Why don't you, uh, I've got this project already started that you could just take over. And 
he kind of just like started that idea in my head. And then the harder it kept getting to like try to go to vet school and the easier it sounded to be a graduate student, I was like, this just makes more sense. Cause now instead of paying, you know, $40,000 a year to go to school, yeah. I'm on assistantship. And so I get paid to go to school now and my tuition's free because of the grad school. And so, um, financially it makes sense. It's less work for me. Um, cause I'm only taking two classes a semester basically, um, nice. which obviously I have to TA, which takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not like I'm going home at night and I have hours of homework to do and a bunch of exams to study for. Mm-hmm. So I can actually like relax and decompress at night. So. Hmm. That's gotta be nice with also combination with your wrestling, you know, like mm-hmm. it allows you to get a workout in right now, like you did earlier. Right. Yeah. Or just like you said, decompress, you know, as a student athlete, um, I think people out there don't understand the rigors it takes to be a student athlete. And yeah. so that downtime is so important. Like right. just being able to just relax. Yeah. Play and being and, grad, you know. Yeah. <laughs> being in graduate school has definitely been harder than undergrad mm-hmm. just because I'm kind of, since, since I'm getting paid, I'm expected to be there from like eight to four, yeah. which obviously I'm yeah. not because I, work out from 10 to noon. And then I work out again from four to six. And so mm-hmm. it's like, I, I kind of just leave when I need to. And my major advisor is very flexible with that. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, at least when I go home at night, it's like, well, I got all my homework done because I was on campus already. And so now I can just kind of like watch TV or hang out with my wife, whatever we want to do that night. So mm-hmm. um, that's, that part's nicer, I guess. Yeah. So, What's it like being um, married and still a student athlete? I don't run across that too much. You're not the first one, but you know, I, it's clear, you know, you're, you're not the, what's I can say? You're, you're one of the few, I guess. So what has that been like? Yeah. So it's definitely different because I just went from living with three of my teammates to Mm -hmm. now I live with just my wife. (laughs) And so instead of, you know, having a bunch of people who are going through the same things that I'm going through. And like, we can talk about practice when I get home that day and stuff like that. It's, it's different because now it's, you know, just telling my wife about practice, which is <laughs> obviously different than talking to teammates about it, but uh, it's been good. Um, yeah. We've really enjoyed actually living together now. Um, Cause we just moved in together after we got married. We got married in April, moved in together in May. And it's just been really nice to like have our own space. And we've got a dog. He's, a year and five months old and he's 13 pounds soaking wet and his little wiener dog. <laughs> and so, um, it's been really good. And honestly, I feel like my weight cut has been easier this year because like my wife will help me meal prep for the week. And so instead of like, I don't know, just eating a PB and J I'm actually like making good food. That's like a home cooked meal with, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's, chicken or uh i've been eating a lot of egg bakes that are very like basic healthy egg bake and Mm -hmm. um just being able to like cut a square out for that heat it up for breakfast it's really nice it it makes Mm -hmm. it a lot easier and so um that part's been really nice and yeah i don't it's been good she kind of goes with me to practice every once in a while and she comes with me to go do rehab because i hurt my ankle month ago and so 
she comes with me to rehab and then she helps me like when I need to do band exercises and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. Or if I need to work on my balance, she throw, throws balls at me and I have to try and catch them on one mm-hmm. foot and stuff like that. So yeah, it's been good. She's really supportive. She comes yeah. to pretty much every one of our meets. Um, she's only missing two this year. She's not coming to California and she's not going on our Colorado trip. And so the fact that she's willing to travel across the country to watch me wrestle and, um, then if I'm at those tournaments, it's like, ah, oh, shoot, I forgot to grab this food item that I wanted uh-huh. to have. She's like, oh, I can run and get it for you. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, she's very supportive, helps out a lot. So, yeah. Now, um, what, so on the topic of food real quick, do you have a favorite food and one that sucks that you have to like maybe cut out when you're wrestling? Oh yeah. I'm a huge ice cream guy. Um, there are times during the season, like, if I have a really hard practice, I'm not really feeling it. It's like, you know what? I'm not eating any supper. I'm going to Dairy Queen and I'm getting a blizzard and that's what I'm going to have for supper tonight. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, uh, it's food for the soul more so than anything else. But, uh, yeah, ice cream is definitely my, my go-to. I'm definitely a sweet tooth guy. Like mm-hmm. I can cut chips, cold Turkey. I don't mind cutting soda out but you start taking my chocolate and my ice cream away. And I, I struggle with that. What so, kind of ice cream? So to be honest, my favorite is when I make it at home mm-hmm. where I just buy like vanilla ice cream. And then I like to add chocolate Nesquik powder, strawberry Nesquik powder and homemade cookie dough. And I mix it all together wow. and it kind of makes like a, almost like a shake consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- that's definitely my favorite. Um, otherwise, like if I go to cold stone, I pretty much try something new every time, but usually mm-hmm. it always involves cookie dough. So, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. I think cookie dough is my favorite mix in. So mm-hmm. <laughs> now with, now that, she, um, you know, you, you have a wife now, does she get perks? I guess I should say that, that she didn't get when she was just like your girlfriend or fiance, like, are there, is there more that she's able to do? Like, I don't know, get funded trips or something you know what i mean yeah not necessarily i mean just from my family perspective it's a little more of a perk to be married because like for nationals if i qualify for nationals again i get three free tickets to go to nationals Mm -hmm. and before my fam my parents were like all right these three tickets we're going to split them up this way it's like okay well now olivia just had to pay you know x amount of dollars for a ticket to go to nationals Mm-hmm. Um, now that we're married, it's like, well, I want to give one of my free tickets to her because that's also coming out of like our bank account. Right. So yeah. I'm, I'm paying for a ticket to go to nationals. Right. And mm-hmm. if it's my free ticket, then obviously I want it to go to my wife. Right. Um, and so other than that, not oh. necessarily, I mean, um, she, like I said, she comes into frost with us all the time when like, I just had an individual with Brady and she just sat on her work laptop in the wrestling room and, mm-hmm just kind of watch Brady and I roll around and she was talking to Cam, one of our other coaches and explaining what she does at her job and stuff like that. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, she has a really good relationship with the coaching staff and they all understand how supportive she is. And, um, so yeah, she's pretty much around all the time. So mm-hmm. what does she do? She's an electrical engineer. She works for oh. Medtronic, um, which is a company based out of the twin cities in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And, uh, she works in the neuromodulation division, which is like deep brain, spinal cord, um, and 
another sort of implant that helps with like bladder control. Um, and so she works on like released products. So if a customer has an issue with the product, they call the company and she has to kind of try and figure out what went wrong, how they need to, you know, adjust the product so that they don't have issues with it anymore, basically. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm definitely a, a trophy husband right now. <laughs> So <laughs> me too, me too. <laughs> and, um, where did you meet? Um, where did you meet? So we went to the same high school. Okay. Um, we didn't really talk to each other, I guess, until ninth grade. And then we started dating in 10th grade mm -hmm. and have just been together ever since she came out to SDSU as well and mm -hmm. got her degree in electrical engineering out here. And so she just graduated last May, right after we got married and started working full time in June. And so she's ready for me to be done with school so that mm -hmm. she's not the only breadwinner of the relationship. So, <laughs> Oh, how was that? I mean, I probably should ask her this, but you know, how was that trying to plan a wedding and compete and go to school, you know, like that had to be, I mean, we bought a house right the, the month before we got married and that was kind of stressful, you know, but yeah, imagine like, cause she was going to school, you were going to school, like, oof. Yeah, I can bring her in here if you want me to. I'm sure she'd be <laughs> yeah. embarrassed about it. But Olivia, do you want to come answer this question? Yeah, basically, Did the she short no? answer, she, she said, sure. Oh, so right. We'll see. Right. Yeah. Um, basically, the short answer is we got engaged like a year and a half before our wedding. Okay. And so our wedding was basically planned out before got to the season. Mm-hmm. The question is, uh, what was it like planning for a wedding, like in the middle of season and all that stuff? Uh, yeah, I had most of it planned. Cheapers, I can't get you on the screen. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I had most of it planned the summer before, because I was also going through my last year of school as well. Mm -hmm. So I had mostly planned the summer before my senior year of college, so. But there's still a lot of stuff like you can't plan for, or, you know, that you can only plan when you get kind of closer to the wedding. Yeah. I'm, I'm married too. So like, you know, that still had to be stressful, you know? Um, my mom helped a lot with uh, that. Mm -hmm. And the, um, we did have a wedding coordinator as well. So really? she kind of took some of the guesswork out of like things mm -hmm. that I wouldn't necessarily think of because she does it all the time. So between her and my mom, they, they did a lot to kind of make it easy on us. A wedding yeah. coordinator? What's, what's like a wedding coordinator? like? Um, so they kind of basically plan out the wedding, like the timeline, and make sure they have basically everything set up and ready and all the questions asked and answered and Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like they came the day of and then they were also um coordinating where everyone needed to be, making sure everybody's on time to everything, making they do all the setup and the teardown and stuff like that. Hmm. So yeah. That must have been nice. We had to tear down our own. So uh, it was like eleven o'clock at night and we were packing up our middle centerpieces and stuff. So yeah. <laughs> that's how my brother's wedding was and oh really we got a taste of that and it was like you know by the end of our wedding day we're just exhausted we just we don't want to have to deal with that on our own wedding and yeah. it was 
because my brother got married about a year before we did and mm-hmm. it was so nice to have like what do we like what do we dislike kind of yeah. situation go on with that yeah and so we were able to kind of like make adjustments based off of that i guess I so agree. yeah all right and well and you said you got married in april right yep yeah so that like even finals is right around the corner like Sorry, yeah so we got going on like oh my gosh <laughs> we got married uh easter weekend and so we didn't have school friday okay and so that was like the night of the groom supper um and then we got married on saturday sunday was kind of like all right we're married now we go back to brookings sun mm-hmm. or monday we have the day off because easter. governor Noam always gives easter monday off basically mm-hmm. and so then we didn't have to get back to school till tuesday and so that was really nice because, you know, we just had all that extra time. Mm-hmm. Um, but we didn't have finals for another week or two. And both of us, it was our last semester of undergraduate college. Like she was only in nine credits or something. And I was oh, nice. taking like 12 and um, knowing that this was coming up because it obviously wasn't like sprung on us at random. <laughs> yeah. Like I tried to do really well in my classes so that, I could get a 70% on my final and still have an A in the class or something like that. Right. Where it's, I don't have to stress too much about the final. So. What about you? Um, yeah, I only had like maybe two finals because okay. I had, like you said, like nine credits. Mm-hmm. So that's like, I think I only had three classes. And so I had like two finals and, by the time I was there, I was like, I was just ready to be done with college. So <laughs> I was, I did well enough to like make sure that I really didn't have to do a ton of studying if I didn't want to. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for coming in, chiming in and giving yeah, no perspective problem. on your wedding. That's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> I love it. That was cool. Yeah. Are you able to wrestle with your wedding band on? Like, or do you like have a rubber one that you can wear? Yeah. So I can't compete with it. It's just like a little silicone band here. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I wear it at practice all the time. Um, sometimes it comes off. Some of my teammates have made it a goal of theirs. Um, they said that they're going to beat me so bad one day that they'll take my ring off and put it on themselves. Um, and that's yet to happen. It hasn't happened yet. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I usually practice with it because I don't really even notice that it's on. Um, yeah. There have been times that like I'm going out on the mat and somebody is like, your ring. And I'm like, oh, shoot, I got to take that <laughs> off. Because um, like AJ Neville's got sent into overtime in one of his matches because he saw his ring on and they didn't realize it until the third period. And then the ref had to call it technical penalty for wearing like illegal equipment, I guess. Uh-huh. And I was like, that's such a dumb rule. Like, wow. Okay. I don't know what could be bad about wearing a wedding ring, I guess. Wrestling. <laughs> right. Right. But, huh. Well, shoot. Well, I mean, look, I guess luckily it happened to him and not you. Now <laughs> mm-hmm. that's, that's, yeah. um, I see you have, is that like a, um, electric piano behind you? Oh uh, yeah. It's just like a little keyboard. Oh, keyboard. Okay. I, yeah. I've played the piano as long as I can remember pretty much. So yeah. my mom, kind of got me into it she's a really good pianist and so i don't really like to read music but i play by ear and i sing along and stuff like that so yeah it's fun nice so obviously you still play huh 
Yeah, not as much as I would like to, I guess. It's more fun when you have like people around that <laughs> yeah. like to either sing along or stuff like that when it's just Olivia and I at home. I don't know. Yeah. I just don't play it all that yeah. often. <laughs> but yeah. usually like if my fam, like if my mom would come out, then we would both sit down and play and sing together. We actually, uh, we yodel together too. So that's a what? little really? fun fact. Yeah, because my great grandpa used to yodel. He, so the guy was crazy. He would have a guitar and then he would have a harmonica attached to like a thing that went around his face. Mm -hmm. And then he would play the harmonica and the guitar at the same time. And then he, when he was done playing the harmonica, he'd sing or yodel. And then he'd go back to playing the harmonica during the little breaks. And um, so then my mom would sing and yodel with him and play the piano while he did that. And um, <laughs> yeah, it was just really cool. And so then I learned how to yodel and my great grandpa passed away probably when I was like 10 or 12, somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. And that was when my mom was like, all right, Clay, you need to learn how to yodel now because grandpa isn't here to do it with me anymore. So I need you to fill in for him. So yeah, we have a lot of fun with that. That's kind of probably my mom and I's way of bonding is singing, playing the piano together. So. Yeah. So how, how do you yodel? Like when she said that you have to learn how to yodel, like what, what is basically so when you sing, there's, you have like two different voices. You have like your chest voice, which is like the voice that we're talking in right now. And then you have mm -hmm. your falsetto, which is like your really high voice. And basically yodeling is just controlling, switching between the two at a really fast rate and staying on the right pitch because like your chest voice sings one pitch, but then your head voice sings a different one. And so, um, I don't know. I, it's really hard to explain and it's, mm -hmm really hard to learn I guess I I don't remember ever a time where it was like I couldn't do it I guess um like it just kind of clicked at one point and it just happened mm -hmm. and it's definitely something where if I don't yodel for a long time it's hard to sound good when mm -hmm. I do yodel again mm -hmm. um which I guess is like everything you know you need practice to be good at it yeah so um yeah I don't know it's a lot of fun yeah so do you, I guess now you now have to ask, can you get a demonstration? <laughs> I suppose. Yes. All right, cool. I got to play the piano with it, though. I don't oh, like to yodel without the piano. It's yeah. just weird, I guess. Mm -hmm. But I don't know how much you'll be able to hear my voice over the piano, I guess, because of where the phone's at. But. Mm -hmm. Nice. Thank you. And I, oh, that, so... <laughs> Now listening to it, I understand what you're trying to say when you're like switching ranges between your chest and your falsetto. Yeah. That was good. That was good. I haven't yodeled in a long time, so yeah. I don't think it sounded the best, but that's okay. <laughs> How do you, uh, where'd you go to practice that? Or did like your mom teach you or? My mom taught me and she has like a baby grand piano at her house mm -hmm. and 
that thing's really fun to play and sing with because it's really loud and the sound is very pure. And so you can just kind of belt it out, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's a lot of fun playing with that piano specifically. That's definitely Mm -hmm. something that like I want when I buy my own house someday and I can afford it is like getting Mm -hmm. an actual baby grand piano Mm -hmm. versus just like a keyboard like this. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, what so i saw in the background uh when your wife came over it, do you have like a little christmas tree still up yeah <laughs> when, when do you put away your christmas decorations uh great question <laughs> nice wow that's a nice yeah. tree very well her great her grandma had that tree for a long time and really um olivia always said how much she liked a flock tree and mm-hmm. so after Olivia and I got married, she said that she had this tree for us. And that was kind of like a little wedding present, I guess. Nice. And so, yeah, Olivia and I just talked about it yesterday. Actually, we were like, when are we going to put the tree down? And she's like, I don't know. We'll just play it by ear. So yeah. <laughs> um, it'll stay up for now, I guess. Yeah. I really like, because like at night, if I'm watching TV, I don't like it to be like pitch black in the house. Yeah. And if you turn the lights on on the tree, it's kind of just like a nice little lamp, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's, I, I enjoy having it in the living room there. So, mm-hmm. and when do you, I guess the bigger question is when do you put them up? When do you put your decorations up? I think, Olivia, did you put the tree up before Thanksgiving? Yeah, yeah before Thanksgiving. Um, she was gone because she has to work every other week in person at her job. And so she was in the cities for a week and she came back at random. Like she surprised me. I think it was a Wednesday night. She usually doesn't come back till Thursday or Friday. Mm -hmm. And so I got home after practice and I walked in and she's halfway through setting up the Christmas tree. I didn't even expect to see her in the house. Right. (laughs) And I was like, what is going on in here? (laughs) She's like, well, I brought the tree back with me and I figured there's no point in putting it in the garage at this point. So we just all set it up. Mm -hmm. So it's been up ever since, but. So she yeah. works, she goes, so every other week she goes back to the, the Twin Cities? Yep. How long? So does it's she... about a four hour drive. Mm-hmm. And she's usually there for four days of the work week, usually. She'll work like Monday through Thursday. Because um, her mom and stepdad live in the cities and her stepdad also works at the same company. Oh, okay. And so Olivia can just go stay with her parents and ride to work with her stepdad in the morning Nice. And stuff like that. And so it works out well. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically how it goes is she'll be like here in Brookings for nine or 10 days straight. And then she's gone for like four. And then she comes back for nine or 10. Cause it's, she's here from like Thursday through the following Sunday, essentially. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's it works be, out. Yeah. That's still be a little tough. So like way back in the day, um, I used to travel for work when I had a full-time job um, before I started going back to school and I would be gone too. And, and mm-hmm. I would be gone a little bit longer. Sometimes like I'd be gone for two weeks at a time, but even though sometimes yeah. I would still be gone like a week at a time, that was still kind of difficult, you know? It's definitely not easy. Yeah. Right. You know, so how do you, how do you deal with that? So I'm definitely not a person who likes to be alone, I guess. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm a very people person <laughs> and I like to be around people. Yeah. And so Usually when Olivia is gone, um, I will hang out with teammates or, um, Cam and I really like to play board games 
And so yeah, yeah. we'll play board games together. And my neighbor, actually, we've gotten to be pretty good friends now. Um, and we'll just hang out every once in a while too, and play games or something, um, just to help pass the time. Otherwise, like there have been times where like, I had a research paper I had to write for one of my classes and Olivia's like, when I get home, I want to actually spend time with you. Yeah. And so it was like, okay, well, that's good motivation for me to like grind out this paper. And so yeah. then I, you know, fill my time doing that. And so that was really nice because then I got my paper written, you know, two weeks before it was due. Oh, and yeah. so then I, finals weren't so stressful. Right. And so, mm-hmm. um, I kind of use, try, I try to use that time as efficiently as possible mm-hmm. and get as much done so that when Olivia does get here, I don't have anything that I have to do when I get home after practice. It can just mm-hmm. be, you know, time where we hang out. So, yeah, that's, um, how's your discipline when, whenever I would leave or when she leaves now, now she's the one that's leaving, you know, on work trips or whatever. Yeah. My discipline goes out the window, you know, and like yeah. she's the one that kind of doesn't always cook, but you know, she helps with the mm-hmm. cooking stuff. So how, how does that work when she leaves? It's definitely hard. Yeah. Um, I definitely struggle with it. Like you said, like it, it's harder when she's gone. Um, but I kind of make up for that by like making myself so busy and not being home enough to be able to like overeat or, you know, do something like that. Like I go to a Herbalife nutrition shake shop pretty much every day mm-hmm. as one of my meals. And so I just keep doing that when she's gone. And then like, at night I have a Bible study on Tuesday night. So that kind of took up my time on Tuesday night. And then, um, the other nights of the week, maybe, you know, like almost every other Wednesday I have a SAC meeting cause I'm on the student athlete advisory committee here at SDSU. Okay. And so that meeting takes up time and, mm-hmm. um, it's just like finding things to do so that I'm not just sitting at home mm-hmm. with cupboards and fridge full of foods that mm-hmm. I want to just snack on. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing too is like just being disciplined enough to say, I'm going to make a meal instead of being yeah. like, oh, I'll just have this little snack and that little snack. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, I ate twice as much as what I normally would because mm-hmm. I just kept snacking. So yeah, um, that's definitely harder. That's for sure. Yeah. So, well, I would be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about, about wrestling, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. So, uh, as a little background, you're from Wilmer, Minnesota. Is that how you pronounce it? Wilmer. Yep. Wilmer, Minnesota, two, um, three-time place winner. You won it as a senior. I noticed yep. so like as a sophomore, um, did you, what happened your sophomore year and that? That was a big turning point for me in my mm-hmm. wrestling career. Um, yeah. I was wrestling in the semifinals at sections and wrestling a guy that I beat probably like five times before that. Mm-hmm. and I went out there very, uh, like afraid to lose. Like I was wrestling not to lose instead of mm-hmm. trying to win and score points. Yeah. And so it was, I was winning one zero with like 30 seconds left in this third period and I was on top. And so I was like, okay, I just got to ride him for the last 30 seconds. Right. And mm-hmm. end up giving up a reversal with like 15 seconds left and couldn't get my escape in that amount of time and lose the match two to one. And that guy goes on to lose in the finals. So I don't get a true second match mm-hmm. and don't qualify for state. And I, that just broke me. That was probably one of the lowest lows wrestling has ever put me in. Mm-hmm. And 
um, I remember being like, I kind of had a like screw it mentality. Like I just need to go out and wrestle as hard as I can every match. And if I do that, you know, the results will come. If I start worrying about winning and losing, that's when I don't wrestle my best and mm-hmm. things like that happen. And so it was literally like the following week was the state tournament and I bumped up a weight class for team state and I beat three guys that were ranked in the state and two of them placed at that weight class. And it was a weight above me. Mm-hmm. And it was like, why don't I wrestle like that all the time? Right. And so that kind of was like a slap in the face basically and kind of lit a fire that was like, I need to just go. And if I sit and worry about trying to win or lose, I'm going to have issues. And I kind of feel like the start of this current season has been kind of a similar story for me and I'm excited for the second half of the season now because I don't know I'm just thinking that things are looking up right now and I'm excited to go compete on Saturday so yeah you said you had an an ankle injury um when when did that kind of take if you're willing to talk about it that is you know because you've still been competing I don't know have you missed any time I haven't noticed I guess no so I heard it at the cliff Keen out in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. I sprained my ankle in the semifinals and, oh, um, yeah, I couldn't hardly walk on it the rest of the day. I, so I didn't wrestle the rest of the tournament. And, uh, then we had a red eye back to Brookings. So like, mm-hmm. instead of being able to ice and elevate that night, I had to sit on a plane. Yeah. Um, so it was pretty swollen when I got back on Sunday, that Sunday, um, but then two weeks after that, we wrestled Nebraska mm-hmm. and I hadn't put a ton of time on the mat just because it was still bugging me a lot. And so we like taped it up super tight and it was kind of just like a club foot yeah. out there for that match. And, um, I felt like I definitely wrestled better against Nebraska than how I had been all season up until that point. But about like halfway through the second period, my entire left foot was numb. And so it was really like a club foot then at that point, because it was just like, I can't feel this thing. I can't like, it just felt really weird. And uh, then I went home for break and I didn't have an athletic trainer at home, but I still needed to work out. And my cousins have a wrestling mat in their basement. And so like my brothers and my cousins and I would all go down there and we'd wrestle. And it was kind of uh, a little iffy trying to wrestle on that ankle. Mm-hmm. without it being taped. And, um, I didn't really re-injure it per se, but I like tweaked it a couple of times or didn't feel the yeah. best and then got back to Brookings. And then our trainer had to leave to go to the soldier salute. So then I had a couple of practices in Brookings where I couldn't tape it either. And so then it was like, okay, well, this is getting ridiculous. Like, um, I need to like really take care of this thing. Otherwise it's going to linger right. for the rest of the season. And so I've kind of been, uh, doing some rehab on my own, um, making sure I'm taking ibuprofen to keep the swelling down and stuff like that. And then now we got our trainer back and he's been taping it really well for me. And this week has just been like, it's hands down the best it's felt since I heard it. And so, uh, yeah, I'm really excited. I mean, the nice thing is, is now when I like tweak it a little bit, I can just kind of wrestle through it because it doesn't hurt bad enough where it's like, Oh, I need to stop wrestling. I can just kind of keep going, I guess. Mm -hmm. And that's 
as good as it needs to be, I guess. As long as I can just continue to wrestle through the position and not give up scores or anything like that, then it's good enough. So. Yeah, I'm taking a peek at your schedule here. Yeah, so you're Saturday the 7th. You're out in Riverside. That's kind yep. of a cool area, maybe, I would say. Yeah. Northern Illinois. Yeah, excited. yeah, I would be too. I mean, shoot, it's South Dakota probably doesn't have the best winners, obviously. So like, oh, yeah, wow. We just got like six or eight inches of snow yesterday. Really? Yeah. And so, it, I don't know. I'm glad that we got it yesterday and not today because now we can actually get to the airport tomorrow. And oh, get on our flight. Yeah, okay. Okay, cool. So, but, uh, yeah. So it'll be, uh, it's been an interesting winter already. I think we've gotten more snow this winter than we have in the last two combined. Mm-hmm. So and it's only December. Usually we get the most snow in like February. So, yeah. And I was talking to somebody who, um, his name's Kyle Berwick and he was up in, uh, North, mm-hmm. he lives up in North Dakota. Yeah. And it was like the wind, the real feel was like negative 50 and it was, yeah. I don't know how much snow they got, but they got ridiculous amount of snow. And so like, I'm only, you know, yeah. how you guys are dealing with it too. Eesh. Yeah. So the, that's the thing about Brookings, South Dakota, that's different than Wilmer, Minnesota is mm. the wind. Cause it's yeah. usually a little bit colder in Wilmer, but there's not the wind that we mm. have out here in Brookings. And that's just miserable. Mm. And it seems like if you walk to class and the wind's blowing in your face, you'll walk back on the opposite direction and the wind is switched. So now it's still in your face and you just can't ever beat it. It's just yeah. always hitting you in the face no matter what. Yeah. And so that kind of sucks, but it is what it is. Yeah. I was so. thinking, you know, when you said that your wife drives to Minnesota, you know, the winter, like right now, you know, has to just be just kind of terrible. Yeah. You know, or scary, it or, you know, just worrisome, you know? Mm-hmm. So we've, she kind of talked to her boss about that and was like, if the weather is bad or like, looks like it's going to be bad for my trip back to Brookings. I'm just mm-hmm. not going to come in person mm-hmm. because it's not worth, like she doesn't want to get stuck in the cities when I'm here in Brookings. Mm-hmm. And so um, we've kind of ran into a couple issues where like, it was supposed to be like a light dusting of snow. And all of a sudden we got, four inches and it was freezing rain before it. So there's yeah. ice on the roads or something stupid like that. Um, which I think there was one time she was planning to come back Wednesday and she couldn't get here till Friday. But other than that, it's been, you know, it, it hasn't been too bad. And her boss is very understanding with that as well. So. Mm-hmm. Nice. That's nice. Yeah. Cause you know, um, even the weather might be nice here or in Brookings, and in Wilmer, it's just snowing or whatever. Vice versa, yeah. you know? mm-hmm. so that's always tough. You have to kind of look at that. And yeah. But, um, anyway, so um, earlier before your high school career, you know, where did you wrestle a lot as a youngster on the AAU circuit? Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, I didn't wrestle AAU because Minnesota doesn't really have AAU. Uh Um, they have like, they call it min USA state. And then they've got like NYWA is really big for youth in Minnesota. And, uh, so I did that stuff and, um, I had success in youth, but like, I never won a state title till eighth grade is when I won my first youth state title. Um, 
I was always like close, like third place, second place, something like that. Mm. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I used to not work hard at all. I was a fr- <laughs> like in kindergarten. I told my dad, I didn't want to go to practice cause I didn't like sweating <laughs> and he didn't, he like, didn't know how to respond to that. He's like, what do you mean? You don't like sweating? Like, what is it? And so he would, you know, force me to go to practice and, you know, some parents are like, Oh, I don't want to force my kid to do something. And it's like, that's one of the things that like, I respect my dad for a lot is that he made me work through that. Cause I could have just been like, oh, I don't like sweating. I don't want to go to practice. He's like, okay, that's fine. And then I wouldn't be in the position that I'm at today. Right. And so like, I'm glad that he did that. And then like my older brother, Colton, he was the type of guy who like, it's not like he wasn't talented, but he had to work for everything that he got. Like he earned everything. And so having him as an older brother, and then I was a little bit more naturally gifted. So I thought, Oh, I don't need to work like that. Well, then I started, you know, seeing him have more success and I wasn't having that success yet. And it was like, okay, maybe I need to step this up a little bit. And so, yeah, I didn't really start working hard probably until I was, it might've been after 10th grade when that incident happened at sections, honestly, where things really kind of switched, mm-hmm. but yeah. So did, did you wrestle varsity? It sounds like you didn't your seventh and eighth grade year. Seventh grade. I wrestled, I think like 11 matches on varsity where okay. I was just filling in for the starter. And then eighth grade, I started the whole season and then our high school coach decided to do one last wrestle off right before sections. I had been the starter the entire year. And then right before sections, he did another wrestle off and I lost. And so the other kid got to wrestle at sections. And so I was a little bit rotten about that for a while. And, uh, so I didn't get a chance to qualify for state that year, but, uh, then ninth grade was when I really started like kind of finding more success. I'd say, Mm -hmm. um, obviously I placed at state. I got sixth that year. I think I could have done better, but I wrestled the same guy three times and we were pretty good friends and we would joke around before our matches. And yeah, I, I shouldn't have had that attitude. I should have just been like, Hey, I'll talk to you after the match. How about that? Mm-hmm. So. I was the same way, man. I hated wrestling people I knew or people like my friends. Yeah. You know, it didn't happen very often, but I just, ugh. I just, I yeah. didn't like it. No, and that's happened a couple of times with my cousin, Kale. We're like growing up, we were always pretty similar in sides and sometimes we end up wrestling each other. And that was always really hard because like Kale and I wrestled all the time. We were always mm-hmm. the same size. We're only 10 months apart in age. And so we would just always train together. Then we go to a tournament and we'd end up wrestling each other at the tournament. Mm-hmm. And the nice part was, is like, we always had a, I'm going to rip your head off mentality. <laughs> yeah. So like that made it easier, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's definitely not easy to wrestle friends or teammates, anything like that. Jeez, so. I, don't, I don't, I didn't wrestle any siblings or, or relatives, you know, I can't, I, that's a whole nother yeah. one, I feel like. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. So Kale, yeah. I forgot. So Kale's your cousin. And then yep. your brother, how many brothers and sisters do you have? So Colton's my only full brother. And then I have five half siblings that are all younger mm-hmm. than me. Um, okay. So I have three on my mom's side and two on my dad's side. Mm-hmm. And my dad's son, Kevin, he is a ninth grader now wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the only one of my younger siblings that wrestles. And he 
he's doing really well right now. So right. I'm excited to see how his season goes this year. But he's finally getting big enough that I can train with him now. Nice. And so over Christmas break, we wrestled a little bit and it was mm-hmm. so much fun. Yeah. Um, he's getting a lot better. And I finally like, it, it took probably like 30 minutes of me just almost bullying him, I guess, before <laughs> he finally was like, screw it. I'm going to actually wrestle hard now. Mm-hmm. And my goodness, it, what a difference that made. Like he felt so good. And I, after, after we got done, I was like, dude, if you wrestle like that every day at practice, you'll win a state title this year. Like it's literally up to you because the way you just wrestled me was not how you've been competing in your matches. And it's mm-hmm. not how you've been training at practice, but it was way better than that. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it was, yeah, it was, it was really fun being home and like actually being able to wrestle with them a little bit. Yeah. So Do you have a little coach in you. Is that what you think? I, I really like coaching. Yeah. yeah. Um, my issue is that I, I think I'm a little impatient. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I don't know how I would handle coaching like high school aged or younger, just because I get really frustrated when like, I don't know. It's not necessarily that guys don't listen to me, I guess, but like blow off what I have to say. And like, I don't know. There's also a respect thing about it too, where it's like, mm-hmm okay, I wouldn't be telling you this if it didn't work. Like, I'm not going to tell you something that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, um, and that's something that like, I used to not be coachable at all. Like I would tell my dad, I can't all the time. I can't dad. I can't, it doesn't work. I can't do it. And then I finally actually try it and it worked every time. And by the time I got to college, I completely switched. And now I've become like, I, I think I'm very coachable and I take criticism well. And it's definitely like a learned trait. Mm-hmm. but those are the people that are fun to coach. And those are the reasons like those types of athletes are the ones that make coaches love what they do. Because it's like, if you have passion for the sport and you take criticism well, and you're constantly trying to learn and improve, like that's when it gets fun because then you see growth. Mm-hmm. The guys that are just kind of like, they don't listen to their coaches and they don't, uh, take criticism, you know, they say things like I can't, or it doesn't work. Those are the guys that like, you don't see them get much better. Right. Like, and they'll slowly improve, but it's not a big jump. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I didn't really get coachable until I got to college. And really? that's when I saw a big jump when I went from just being, you know, like a one-time state champ to all of a sudden, you know, a few years later, I all American at the national tournament. And like, I didn't know if, like qualifying for the national tournament was a kind of like a huge goal for me where I was mm-hmm. like, I want to qualify for nationals. And all of a sudden my first year that I'm there, I place eighth and it kind of, it shocked me big time. Um, not to say that I didn't believe that I could do it, I guess, but it was just like a few years ago, I've been watching the national tournament at home and it was like, wow, these guys are so good. Mm-hmm. And just to be able to like close the gap that quickly, um, like got to give credit to, my coaching staff for mm-hmm. like helping me get there. Right. And all of my training partners and stuff like that, because like, yeah, I, I was awestruck by that, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So how were you able, how did you find that success right away? You know, that was one of the things I was thinking about too, you know, like you go from, um, you know, state title and then two years later, three years later, should I say, anyway, a few years later, you were an all American. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. like you're saying, that's a big jump in like, um, just 
like you're saying, you're watching these kids and you're like, man, they're so good. All Americans, they are so good. You know, like how were you able to have that success right away? I think it was definitely a a mentality thing. I think a lot of uh, young college athletes come in and they think what I was thinking in high school, like, wow, these guys are so good. And like, I don't know if I can compete with these guys. And they start to have negative self-talk and they start to doubt themselves. Mm-hmm. Whereas like in high school, everyone thinks that they're the best, right? They go out there and they're like, I'm going to crush this guy because I'm the best in my state. Right. And they kind of lose that confidence mentality when they get to college. And um, that was something that I guess I, I always felt like I could beat everybody that I wrestled. Like if I put out my best match ever, I can beat everybody. And I just always had that mentality. And I, I straight up did that a couple of times when it really mattered, where I went out and it was like, that was the best I had to offer. And I put it all out on the line. And I don't think that that happens without the confidence behind it and like truly believing that you can do it. Um, and the other thing is like, it drives me nuts when guys are like, Oh, I've got a little cold. I can't go to practice today and stuff like that because like you're not going to feel the best all the time when you're competing. And unless you like train through that, it's really going to affect how you compete. Right. And so like there are times when I feel miserable and it's like, well, I could say that I'm sick and not go to practice today, but am I going to get better at wrestling if I just go sit on the couch at home? Probably not. And so it's like, all right, you, throw your stuff on, you get in the room. And usually those days it's like, I almost need a slap in the face to get going where it's like, I need to go super hard right away. And I usually feel less sick after days like that. And I feel like it's times like that where like pushing through that adversity, where I really see jumps in the things that I'm capable of pushing my body to do, where it's like, you almost like there have been times where I watch film and I'm like, how did I even do that? Because it's not something that I've ever done in practice before, but all of a sudden in a match, I just kind of like pulled it out of nowhere and did it. And it was like, well, it's because I train in a way that like allows my body to push through adversity. And when I get in new situations and tough situations, you just kind of grind through it because that's how you train your body. Mm-hmm. If you train your body to be soft, it's going to be soft, right? Like mm-hmm. that's just kind of how it works. And so I get pretty frustrated with like teammates sometimes and even like siblings, they're like, Oh, I can't, I can't work out today because I don't feel the best. It's like, no, that's when you need to work out Mm -hmm. because you wake up on the third day of nationals. You're not going to feel the best. You just wrestled (laughs) for two days in a row. It's your third time weighing in. Like you need to know how to wrestle through that. And so I think that's a big thing too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very true. You know, the very, the best you're ever going to feel during wrestling season is probably that first day of practice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I've noticed the older I get, the more I have to take like recovery seriously, like mm-hmm. make sure I'm getting my sleep and make sure that like I cold tub after a hard practice or, you know, I, I now I have to get to practice early so that I can stretch and foam roll before practice. Otherwise mm-hmm. I pull muscles and stuff. And it's like that, <laughs> that never happened before. So <laughs> Yeah. It's kind of funny, but you just like, you learn how to take care of your body. Cause otherwise 
it's a five month long season. Like you mm-hmm. can't expect your body to be able to just grind for five months straight and have no repercussions for it. Mm-hmm. And so it's been a learning process for sure, how to take care of my body in a way that I can compete a full season and feel the best in March and compete the mm-hmm. best in March. So yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, you know, I, I, I hear that about football players because they play, you know, some people play in the league for 10, 15 years. And yeah, that's completely different than when you're a 21 year old drafted as opposed to a 30 year old veteran, you know, and, and so the same yeah. said for you, you know, walking at mm-hmm. 18, you feel invincible. And now you're 23 going, all right, I'm a little nicked up here and there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. The one thing I will say that's nice is like, as you get better at wrestling, you can control more positions and you keep yourself out of risky situations. And like one thing that I had to learn was it's okay to get taken down in practice. Uh Um, Like if I'm in a position where it's like, I might get hurt here. Why wrestle through it and get hurt then when Uh I could just give up a takedown, I need to work on bottom. (laughs) Just yeah. work on bottom now. Get right back up to my feet and then start wrestling again. And so um that's been something that that was a big change for me was when I went from being hurt all the time to being like, you know, it's probably better to just give up a takedown in practice than to hurt myself. Mm-hmm. And so that's another thing. If you're hurt, you can't train. If you can't train, you're not getting better. So it's mm-hmm. like staying healthy is super important too. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where, that's where the mentality of wrestle, you know, work harder or work smarter, not harder, wrestle smarter, you know, yeah, comes into play a little bit. That, that's a good example of, you know, well, let's just wrestle smarter, give this up and now, yeah, work on something else. Right. You know? mm-hmm. um, what led you to South Dakota state in the first place? So my older brother went here, mm-hmm. um, and we had always wanted to wrestle on the same team together. Mm-hmm. And when the previous coaching staff was here, um, they didn't really recruit me at all. Didn't really want to wrestle for people that didn't want me to be there. Yeah. And so I was kind of looking at other places and then um, they left and Damien got hired. And I was like, well, I just, I've waited this long to make a commitment. I might as well wait to meet the new coach. And mm-hmm. so I came out to visit and I sat down in Damien's new office and, I th- we actually had to go to the conference room because I brought my entire extended family with me. So there was like 10 <laughs> of us, but um, we sat down in a conference room. We, we talked for like three hours. It was like, okay, well, the fact that this guy just moved here, I'm sure he's got a ton on his plate and he's taking this much time to just sit down and talk and get to know me and my family and kind of explain his outlook on college wrestling essentially uh-huh. and life in general. And I was like, that's the kind of guy I want to wrestle for. Like he, he puts the people first. He, he wants to train us as um, young men versus uh-huh. just good wrestlers. And um, that's just the kind of principles that I align myself with. And it was like, so I get to wrestle with my brother. Uh-huh. Uh, my girlfriend at the time, Olivia, was planning on coming here as well. And I really like the coaching staff and I like the environment because Brookings and Wilmer are basically the same size. They're almost like a mirror image of each other. Just one's in South Dakota and one's in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. So I was very comfortable with the town size versus like a big city. I don't really like big cities. Mm -hmm. And 
the schooling was great with the animal science department and all that. Um, and then, yeah, wrestling with my brother. Um, I like the culture of the team. So yeah, it was just all good things. And I haven't once regretted my decision in coming here. So. Yeah. You know, uh, the big thing I remember <clears throat> this year was when you guys had that run at CKLV, you know, at Cliff Keen, you know, you were neck and neck pretty much the entire time. And I remember a video popped up uh, about Damian Hahn, Coach Hahn saying three years ago, you guys scored 10 points. Yeah. You know, and then this year you finish in a tight race and finish third and you had eight placers, you know, and yeah. that year when you had 10 points, you had nobody like, have right. you ever, like how crazy or how fun has it been to see kind of that, you know, South Dakota state kind of transition into a scary place to wrestle or a scary team to wrestle. You know? Yeah. It's been a lot of fun because when I first got out here, um, the team was a little bit divided almost just because you had the older people that really liked the old coaching staff. You had the older people who didn't and they really liked the new staff. And then you had all this newcomers come in who had no idea what was going on. And um, so it was, it was a little bit hard uh, as a team we weren't very united, I would say. And, um, we just honestly didn't have a whole lot of like pure talent. Mm -hmm. Um, we had a lot of guys that worked really hard, but they weren't all that naturally gifted. Mm -hmm. And it was like, these guys need to learn some good, solid technique if we want to be good at wrestling. Right. Mm -hmm. And that was where like, like for me, it was wrestling with Chris Dardanes and just, mm -hmm. he would have me shoot a single leg on him. And then I would just have to finish. And he was just trying to stuff my head the whole time. And it was just like trying to learn how to wiggle shoulders and keep my head up. And then he would do the same thing. He'd get on my leg and I have to stop him. And I mean, I felt like it was just an absolute grind for those first couple of years where we couldn't really relax ever. We had to just make it really hard because that's just the type of athletes we had was guys that were just workhorses. And, um, seeing the dividends of that now on the tail end is just very rewarding because it makes all of that stuff, that crap we went through all mm -hmm. worth it. Right. Cause we had some really tough days those first couple of years. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. I can only imagine, you know, like you go to a tournament like Cliff Keen or, you know, I look back, you didn't score any points at the NCAA tournament, you know, like mm -hmm. it was a tough go, you know, was there any point where you started, you know, I, I asked these, this to most of my guests, you know, was there any point where like started, you know, doubt starts to creep in? Are we doing the right things? We're not seeing the results yet. Are we, you know, we're putting on all this time. We're working hard. Yeah. I would say no to that just because, um, so like my true freshman year was this year that, you know, we didn't score any points at nationals. Um, that wasn't the year at the cliff keen, I guess, because mm -hmm. that was the first year I went that we only scored 10 points, but, uh, yeah, we, my true freshman year, it was really hard as a red shirt mm -hmm. because, um, there were a couple duels where like, I had beat the starter for that team in an open tournament. Mm -hmm. And then our starter went out and lost to that guy. And we would get like shut out in that duel. And it was like, well, I mean, at least I could have potentially won that match. And uh, the same story is true for like, like Tanner Sloan at 197. 
where it was like, he's beating some of these guys that then our teammates that were starting were losing to. And so it was really difficult because you'd sit in the stands and you watch these duels and we're getting shut out by multiple teams. Right. And it's, uh, it's almost a little bit embarrassing mm-hmm. and yeah. um, true freshmen are usually the ones that have recruits. And so recruits are coming to watch and we're sitting next to the recruits watching these duels. And it was just really hard because it was like, do you really want to go wrestle for a place that gets beat 33 to zero or something mm-hmm. like that? Like that's, that doesn't sound very fun to me, I guess. Yeah. Um, right. Right. But uh, we all kind of, uh, us true freshmen, we're all like, I can't wait to wrestle next year. It's going to be different next year, right? Because we're going to be in the lineup and all these guys that were already in the lineup were supposed to be coming back and should be better, right? They should improve by then. And that's kind of what happened, but we still like didn't have a ton of success the following year, which mm-hmm. was when nationals got canceled uh, due to COVID. And that was really frustrating. And I remember a lot of guys like, my brother and I both were frustrated with how that season ended. And um, I feel like a little frustration at the end of the season can be taken one of two ways. And the way that I really approached it was like, I have the next, you know, six months before the start of the next season to get as good at wrestling as I possibly can. Mm -hmm. Right. And you can either do that or you can say, I need to take time off. I'm so frustrated. And you just kind of let all of that frustration dissipate without using it for motivation, I guess, where as you can use it and like really apply yourself to getting better at wrestling. Mm -hmm. And there were some guys that did that and some guys that didn't, and some really saw the benefits and some didn't. And um, I would say the biggest thing where you talk about like, is what we're doing working here is like, if you actually apply yourself, it's going to work. If you just go through the motions, it's probably not. So it's not necessarily is what we're doing working, but is the way I'm approaching what we're doing going to work? Because there's a lot of guys that just kind of show up every day. They get through it instead of like trying to get something out of it and actually get better. And that's when I see the biggest difference in like who's getting better and who isn't. Mm -hmm. So was that, that's a good, interesting point you bring up. Sorry, my cat's right here. Um, how <clears throat> difficult is it as a as a true freshman sitting there watching, you know, people that you've beaten and watching your teammate go out there and, you know, lose? And how is it to how difficult is it just to sit there and not be like, hey, put me out there, coach. Like, let's go. Let's, you know, and for them to be like, wait your turn kind of a situation, you know? Yeah, it was really hard. And what made it even harder, and I don't know why they did it to us, but they did. Um, like we would be at an open tournament when the starters would have a home duel or something like that, or even an away duel, either way. We would get calls on the drive back from the open after our starters just got whooped. And they'd be like, you guys have a workout at 6 p.m. when you get back tonight. And they're like, what? We just got done competing. <laughs> and so we'd get back to Brookings and all the true freshmen would go do just like a grind work. Like we do dumbbell stair workouts after we just had a full day of competition. It was like, we competed well. We had, you know, three open champs and like one of the finalists lost to a teammate. So it was mm-hmm. like, I mean, why, why are they taking that out on us? But I think it was because obviously 
you can't really take it on the starters because they have to continue to compete for the team. Mm -hmm. Whereas um, they wanted us freshmen to get as good as possible that year. And so um, it was definitely hard. And it it almost made me even more excited to start because it was like, I'm not going to have to do these stupid workouts when I (laughs) am a starter. Yeah. Yeah. True. But uh, yeah, no, it was definitely interesting that, that freshman year. I remember there was a time that, a group of us were at Buffalo Wild Wings in town in Brookings here. And that's when we got the call that we had to come in and do a workout. And so we had already ordered food and we had to tell them, sorry, we can't eat our food. We need to leave. Our coaches are making us come to a workout. And so we had to like leave the restaurant like 20 minutes into sitting down after we had ordered food to go do this workout. And it was just an absolute grinder. I think that was the one where they made everybody hold push-up position the entire time and every minute one of us would go and do seven pull-ups and we had like three heavyweights in this group mm-hmm. and if you couldn't do seven straight pull-ups and your feet touched the ground you had to subtract one from the number of pull-ups that you did so there'd be guys that you know they do two pull-ups and they drop down back to one then they do two and they drop down back to two then they'd only get one so they'd say it two. And it just took forever. I mean, we were probably in there for an over an hour just holding push-up position. Meanwhile, our wings at Buffalo Wild Wings are, you know, I don't know. I don't even know what happens at that point, right? And what happened? Huh. So, I mean, that, that was really hard. But it, you know, builds character, I guess. So, made us tougher. Did you pay for the food? I don't think so. Okay. I don't know that we had to. Cause it might've been early enough in the process that they were like, Oh yeah, no worries. Cause we all ordered waters cause it was in the middle of wrestling season. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's a long time ago. <laughs> oh, oh, that'd be tough. That'd be tough. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I texted coach Caldwell, you know, you were, you were the one that I wanted to talk to, you know, I, I had him on the podcast. Um, he's, from near my hometown. So I've kind of touched base with him, kept in contact a little bit now since I've had him on the podcast. Um, and this is what he said about, it. he said, um, cause I said, I want to talk to clay. And he said, he's a special kid and truly a delight to have as a centerpiece of our program, you know, what, like that they think that highly of you. What, what do you think about that? Oh, that's pretty, it's pretty awesome. Um, it's definitely something that, like I've always strived to be that, I guess, um, just because, you know, I, I'm, I want to be the best version of myself that I can be, be the best man that I can be. And um, it's been challenging for me. I've, I've definitely grown a lot as a person from when, like I first was elected a, as a captain, you know, two falls ago now, um, I used to be a very vocal leader and it wasn't always positive because mm-hmm. I got really frustrated and was, I, it, as, as a teammate, I don't need to be the guy that's yelling at people. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it became something where like I sat down with one of my coaches and he was like, I don't want you to say a word at practice unless it's something positive. And so I I'd be at practice and we'd be doing a sprint workout and we have to make a certain time. I mean, if you fail the time, you have to redo that sprint. Mm-hmm. And we'd failed this sprint like five times and I'm sitting there just exhausted. I'm like, come on guys, we got it. You know, and everybody's just looking at me like, what is wrong with you? Right. And 
like that's a little over the top and I was definitely like being dramatic at that point, but it, it helped me get through the workout, just like forcing myself to be positive instead of letting myself get frustrated. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome. And, you know, I definitely have my wife to thank for a lot of the qualities that I have now because I have not always been the way that I am now. Um, so I remember in 10th grade at lunch, she get mad at me every single day. Cause I'd say something that was insensitive or something. And mm-hmm. like, so it was just kind of, I I've learned a lot from her in terms of just being a better person. Mm-hmm. So they, yeah, man. I mean, I, same, <clears throat> same with my wife, you know, I mean, not same as in, I would say something at lunch, to, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, in a similar aspect sometimes yeah i i would say stuff that i didn't realize almost what i said or how it came across and she was like hey you know that's not really the nicest way to put it or just certain things about myself that she noticed that not necessarily flaws but things that i can improve on or change a little Mm -hmm. bit yeah yeah to find a, a woman that does that with you is pretty it's it's pretty special you know yeah it is um yep you know, one last thing I want to say is 141 is wide open, man. You know, yeah. Quite a few graduates last year, and uh, now it's it's anybody. You know, any. I don't. I, I looked at like the rankings. You know, and obviously rankings don't don't mean much, but just to kind of gauge. And there's a, a dozen or so that could come out with a title at least. Yeah. How does that do? Yeah, you know, what does that do for your mindset as opposed to you know you say you can beat anybody, you know? Yeah, and I'm sure that's everyone's mentality. You know that we can anybody can be beaten on any day. But yeah. when you kind of see the gap shrink a little bit or become you know, does that kind yeah. of the mindset? It it gets me really excited. I would say yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just because um, I don't want to say any names, but when I look at some of the top guys in my weight class right now, uh, a lot of them are super flashy wrestlers that don't necessarily have the biggest gas tanks. They kind of wear out in the third period. And that's when like I thrive. Like I love a good grind match where like, it's super hard. The harder it is, the more comfortable I am that it's going to go in my favor essentially. Uh Uh And um, just seeing which guys are ranked really high right now gets me excited because it's like my style matches up perfectly with these guys mm-hmm. because if I make it as hard as possible, like I really like the way that it's probably going to go. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, so I, yeah, I'm really excited. And like you said, it's, it's kind of wide open. Um, and the, the thing about like the start to the season that I've had is like, yeah, right now I'm ranked like 11th or 12th or something like that. And I could get seated 11th or 12th at nationals if nothing changes. But at the same time, like if I go and win big 12s, that could put me at the one seed at nationals. Right. Mm -hmm. And all of that doesn't really matter when we talk about like how close everybody is because, you know, I could get the 11th seed and maybe that's the best path for me matchup wise to get to the finals. Right. Mm -hmm. Or something like that. You You never know. And so like, yeah, I've had a frustrating start to my season, but like, it doesn't really matter. I need to put together, you know, a couple of good days at the beginning of March at big 12s and then three more good days at nationals. And that's what it comes down to. And 
um, yeah, I'm just really excited for it. And I, I feel a lot more excitement at this point this season than what I felt last season, which is good because I kind of felt like I was in a lull in January last season. And I'm hoping to come out of my little lull right now <laughs> going into January and can peak in March. So, yeah, you know, what? what's the saying, you know, I hear it in wrestling quite a bit. Like you, the goal for some, you know, for wrestlers like you and what you're saying, your grinded out match is to drag these guys out to deep water and right. keep dragging them out and keep taking them out to deeper and deeper water mm-hmm. and see who survives, you know, because you know, yeah. you're going to survive. Hey, you're going to do it. So the point yeah. is to see if this guy can do it. Right. You know, so I'm excited. And, um, you know, the other thing I'll say is that uh, um, you have such a positive attitude here about, I mean, seven and four is not a bad record. You know, you've, you've had some couple bumps in the road, no big deal, you know, mm-hmm. but to, you know, I, I guess I want to ask like last year or two years ago, if you were at this same spot two years ago, you know, has your mindset changed since then? Like you seem like in such a good spirits, even if from the yeah. outside, you're like, man, you know, he's had a tough start. Yeah. So what? I guess. Yeah. It's definitely, I, I feel like I've definitely matured a lot. Um, I'm a pretty strong believer as well. And I feel like that plays a part in it because it's like, I mean, there's nothing I can do about it now. It's in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it's all in God's hands at this point. And like, like the, the future is the same way. Like, it's going to be what it's going to be. All I can do is train my hardest and everything else is going to be out of my control. Right. Mm -hmm. The only thing I can control is my effort and my attitude. And so if I keep my attitude positive, that helps with my effort first off. And if I give a hundred percent effort all the time, then that's, that's all I can do. And if I'm doing those things and not getting the results I want, then that's just the way that God intended it to be. There's nothing I can do about it. And, um, I feel like since I've had that attitude, it just helps me a lot. Um, first off as a leader, because you can't really be a leader if you lose and you're coming off the mat and spiking your headgear and you're cussing and kicking stuff over. It's like, that's not leadership quality. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've just been trying to, uh, set a good example and it's like, yeah, I can be frustrated after a match, but what am I going to do with that frustration? Am I going to kick stuff over? Or am I going to run sprints and do push-ups? Because, you know, maybe I got a little tired in that match and I need to get in better shape. Well, I better do some sprints right now then. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, I don't know, just kind of having that reflective ability to make the best decision in that moment and handle the adversity in the best way possible, because it doesn't do any good to sit and dwell on something that's in the past. All you can do is learn from it and move forward. And mm-hmm. so that's essentially how I'm trying to treat these last month and a half of wrestling. It's like, how do I learn from this and move forward and be better for it? Right. Mm-hmm. Cause I almost feel like I might have a better end of my season because I had a rougher start because I've been training with a purpose for the last month now. Like it's been very focused training. Whereas I feel like sometimes if you see only success, you start to kind of lose focus and you, you just kind of, go through the motions a little bit because you almost get arrogant, I guess, where you, you, I I have all the success. I am this good. I don't need to work on anything because I've been winning all of these matches where it's like, I have so many things that I keep finding that I need to work on. And 
I work on them for a while and all of a sudden it's like, oh my goodness, I feel so much better. Like, mm-hmm. I can't believe the difference that that one adjustment made, right? And so that's why I'm really excited to go and wrestle on Saturday because mm-hmm. all of these things I've been working on are finally starting to like click and they're really, it's, it's been going really well at me with me for practice. And so I'm just excited to go compete again. Mm-hmm. Are you, uh, do you say a lot more positive things now in practice? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I usually don't say much anymore. Yeah, it's just yeah. kind of like, I'll say like, come on guys. Or it, what I try and do is instead of like yelling something positive, like if somebody's struggling, I'll just kind of come up behind them and say something quiet. Like, Hey, you got it. You know, keep pushing stuff like that. Because, um, I don't know. There's a lot of people that don't like uh, being yelled at in front of others. Mm-hmm. And if you can kind of give them that encouragement, just quietly, like, like, Hey, I'm, I'm supporting you, but I don't need everybody else to see you struggling. Right. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's been more effective than, yeah, you know, just getting after the whole group per se, or like yelling at the whole group, even positive things. It's more so just like, Hey, good job today as you're jogging past them in the room or something like that. Or, Hey, keep working, you know, stuff like that, where it's just quiet. It, it doesn't need to be the center of attention. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's, and that's the quality of a good leader, good coach is, is knowing what kind of what buttons to push for each each athlete or teammate, you know, yeah. like you're saying, you know, some do need that kick in the ass, though. Some do yeah. like getting kind of chewed out, but not everybody mm-hmm. does. And, and that's, right. part. you know, honestly, that's kind of part of your job as a captain is to kind of know those things, you know, so yeah. it sounds like you kind of have that a good head on your shoulders with your teammates, a good connection with them. And that's why you're a captain, obviously. You know? Yeah. And I mean, some of them definitely don't like when I do stuff like that, but uh, I still do it anyway <laughs> because sometimes they get mad and then it makes them work a little harder. And I'm like, I, I'm not necessarily wrestling at South Dakota state to make a bunch of friends. I'm here to be the best wrestler that I can be and to help you guys do the same thing. And if that means you don't like me at the end of it, but you got a little better at wrestling, then, you know, so be it. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's been really hard too, is like, obviously I want to be really good friends with my teammates, but like some of them don't necessarily need a friend. They need like a leader, I guess. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I know that some of them don't like me because of it, but it's kind of like, but they respect it's you. the way it has to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. For sure. Well, yeah, I'm excited for the second half of the season too. And Frost Arena is a special place. <clears throat> I was actually going to get up there for the North Dakota duel or sorry, the Nebraska duel. Um, but some things fell apart at the last minute. So I'm excited to get up there one day. Um, yeah. I, I keep hearing great things about it. So I'm yeah, it's, it's electric in that arena when we have yeah. a good duel going. So yeah, I think, I think some people, they, they don't understand that yet because South Dakota state is, isn't this big time, you know, school name yet, you know, like obviously the yeah. program is, is doing really well. And some of the basketball, mm-hmm. you know, the basketball programs are doing pretty solid, but um, in the wrestling world, it doesn't, it's not this Iowa or Penn state or whatever. But so when they do show up and they see the atmosphere that's there, they're like, Holy cow, man. Yeah. <laughs> this is second to none, you know? Yeah. I don't think that many people enjoy coming to frost to wrestle. You know, <laughs> oh, I it's, it's probably not the most fun experience. Now, I wish that we would have beat Nebraska and Minnesota because we definitely could have. Yeah. And, uh, some of that's on my shoulders too. But yeah, it. I'm excited to like host Oklahoma and Oklahoma State because yeah, that's huge. 
yeah, those are going to be huge duels. And um, the more people we can get in the stands, the better, because, you know, we want to make it just a rough environment to wrestle in. Yeah. Because when the crowd starts cheering for me in my matches, especially like towards the end of a match, it feels like I could go forever. Like I doesn't matter how tired I am. All of a sudden the crowd goes nuts and we go out of bounds. I instantly feel better. I'm like, Oh yeah, it's time, (laughs) you know? And just the fact that they have that ability to do that. And, um, if I use that to my advantage, I feel like it's gotta just, it can't be fun to be the other guy stepping on the line. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. And it's, it's awesome that you you've stepped up into the, I know it's been a while, but in the big 12 conference to host teams like Oklahoma, Oklahoma state, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, that just does wonders for your program as well. Then Caldwell, I think coach Caldwell told me there's a a new facility. Has it, that's, hasn't been opened yet. Not yet. Uh, We've gotten in the last like three weeks, I think we've probably had six days where we couldn't drive basically because of snow. And so that's really slowed things down because we have holidays in there as well. And then with snow days, it was just like, nobody's been there to finish what needs to be finished. Um, But I'm thinking that by the end of next week, it should be pretty much finished up. I would guess. And we can get in there, which will be so awesome just because I mean, we're like getting 2.5 times the mat space than what we currently have. And then we all have our own uh, strength facility there where I think we'll have three full racks of weights. And right now we currently have one Airdyne and two stationary bikes in the new facility. We'll have like eight Airdynes and four stationary bikes. So, and then other workout equipment as well, like treadmills and ellipticals and things like that, where like right now we don't have access to any of that stuff unless we go to like the training room, which is just different, I guess. And so the fact that we'll have all of that stuff to ourselves and we have like our own team room where we're going to have like our own kitchen and we have a patio that looks out over the football field and there's going to be like a huge screen up there too. So like we could do outdoor movies in the summer on that patio and there's going to be like an academic room. I mean, it's, it's going to be sweet. Yeah. I think that uh, a lot of guys are basically going to live there pretty much because of how nice it's going to be. Like, yeah. So that sounds sweet. Yeah. We're nice. excited to move in. Yeah. Are you going to move in? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, I, I think we get lockers here installed in a week or two or something like that. And then we'll move all our locker stuff over and yeah, it'll be good. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm excited for, for you, your program, you know, South Dakota state. Awesome. The trajectory of the program is only going up and it's, it's fun. It's been fun to watch from a, you know, from the outside as a fan's perspective. So only imagine as an athlete how much fun it's been but um yeah i appreciate you taking the time chat with me about your experience and and your life and everything and but yeah i appreciate this this has been fun for me so good yeah thank Uh, you for having me on i just want to pay my bills rapping about the way i feel oh yeah i just want to make a couple mil leave it to the fam and the will Oh, yeah. I just want to sign a record deal. Maybe buy a house up in the hills. Oh, yeah. Might not be the best in my field, but I guarantee that I'm going to die real when I grow up. Yeah.
Hey, when I grow up, yeah, yeah. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Let's Talk Wrestling Podcast. Special thanks to my guest, Clay Carlson, for taking the time to sit down and chat with me. Cover art created and designed by Kristen Gill. Please feel free to rate, comment, and subscribe to this podcast. You can also check me out on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and my brand new Facebook page to hear more of my content. I have also a new website you can visit at letstalkwrestlingpodcast.my.canva.site. And as always, be sure to tune in to hear the next guest of the Let's Talk Wrestling Podcast. Take care, and we will see you next time. I